You are listening to the Musician Today weekly podcast with Vera Bermenko. Tune in for your insight into a professional musician's life and awesome new music. Hi everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome to our very first ever Musician Today podcast. This is a place where we discuss all kinds of things in music industry to help each other from our experience, from things we've learned. And I am your host, Vera Bermenko, and many of you know me as a musician, performing artist, violinist, composer, teacher as well in these things. But what I really want to talk about today, in today's topic, we're going to discuss talent. The concept of talent how to improve your skills and the very last but not least is how to not burn out while you're doing all these creative things and planning and building up your skill set right so i'd like to start off with a definition (laughs) i you know one of my favorite things to read is usually a dictionary because it really gives you an insight into the origins of our language, the origins of our concepts, the origins of our words, and sometimes you find surprising things in it. So most people think that talent is something God gift given to you, like a special ability or skill or something that you're just born with, right? But that's entirely not true. So I want to first begin by a concept from actually a Greek dictionary. So what a talent means in Greek, and I'm reading here, okay? So this is from (laughs) Vine's Greek New Testament Dictionary. So what it says here, it says, talent, a noun, (laughs) originally a balance, then a talent in weight, was hence a sum of money in gold or silver, equivalent to a talent. The Jewish talent contained 3,000 shekels, in the sanctuary and so basically they bring different examples of how much each talent from every cultural background meant so and in the end i really like this part it indicates the impossibility of man's clearing himself of his own efforts of the guilt which lies upon him before god (laughs) so as you can see talent conceptually in in our origins way back in history it's not to do with your ability it's not to do with your qualities it's not to do with things that were given to you for some reason it has to do with just exchange of value right if you really read into this talent was a coin it was like monetary sum of something money equivalent to for the services that were provided by that person so let's look into our modern industry too whenever you're on television or you're filming a show you're filming a movie right so there is a division between categories of talent then uh, whoever is in the production team then um you know whoever's working on set crew right so those are just different jobs assigned to us just because your category is talent it doesn't mean that you're more wonderful than someone else or any less wonderful than anyone else right so simply that means that you are performing a service from your special skill set that is required for you to be on camera as opposed to other people being behind the camera maybe doing even more work than you're doing right (laughs) 
So it's just a little perspective shift. I really would like to tackle this today because with this, we will actually get to the other two points of you know how to maintain your talent, how to develop your skill set, how to constantly seek improvement without going crazy and burning out, right? So you guys with me so far? <laughs> Good. If anything, comment and let me know, right? So because we are discussing talent today, I'd like to bring a few examples from my own experience. So basically, <laughs> as a teacher, as a violinist, as a music instructor, I face that every day. And most of my students and bears are wonderful. They're amazing. They understand that it takes work to achieve any skill, that you are not born with it, that nobody is coming into this world in already playing a violin sometimes it might seem like that just because other people make it look easy right but the reason they do make it look easy is because they have worked on their craft daily <laughs> for many many years right so there's no shortcut guys um when i was little i was actually obsessed with the idea of trying to make my skill work really fast so i was obsessed with the idea of maximizing my practice time but minimizing the time itself so maximizing the result by cutting down the hours well you can say i was kind of a crazy kid in that way <laughs> like when you find most kids kind of playing in the yard or in you know meeting their friends i was more like loner at home and i would sit there at my music room and write music and practice my violin i'm not joking my parents were actually trying to get me out of the house but i didn't want to go so, <laughs> so i can't say that my perspective is true for many people because i see with my students today too many of them i have to push a little and that's okay others others are amazing they just do it right they just practice because they understand but face it 90 percent of students and 90 percent of clients that you have are most likely going to be those that need a little push, right? <laughs> and when they see you play, they think, oh, well, that's because you've been, you've been playing forever and, you know, you're just so good. It's been many years. So to this, I answer, yes, of course, I've been playing for a long time, but that's exactly why I'm so good now. It's because one day, many years ago, honestly, it's about 10 years ago, I think, when I was at York University in my second year of studies, I met... A couple amazing people who were so good in the violin that I just couldn't help but be in awe and I was like oh my god I have to find out what they do to play this well <laughs> and I became obsessed with that too so I started asking them around I started listening to my teacher a little better because you know what we don't listen sometimes sometimes that's just it right <laughs> so you can say something a million million times but it's not gonna make it so, and it's not going to make it real until you actually get your hands dirty and get down to it, right? And get doing. So what happened to me at York University, exactly in my second year of studies of my bachelor degree, is I have met one amazing violinist and another amazing violinist who was in my class. And then I decided, that's it. I have to do something. This is my turning point. I have to decide if I want to be a performer professionally in my life I have to do something I have to commit to it so what I started doing was one very simple thing I just changed my practice habits and I've committed to practicing every single day 
between the classes, before classes, after classes, between gigs, after shows, whatever. So, but I've decided that I have to do at least an hour to two hours a day or I was going to fail. <laughs> to me back then, that was a big deal. I was an A++ student, right? So <laughs> to me, that was a big deal. And I decided if I can't do this, then who can, right? Like who's gonna do it for me? No one's going to do it for me. So I have simply started going into a practice room, fighting to get a practice room. If you guys know, if you're you've ever studied music at a university or a college, you know how hard it is to get a practice room <laughs> when there is so many students also looking for a practice room. And they're, yeah, they're all basically booked. So you have to plan in advance. So that did teach me some more planning skills. We're going to get into that a bit later today. So I had to basically find time before class, after class, during lunch, whenever I could, just to get a practice space. And sometimes it actually came down to the, um, the fact that I just had to find a corner on a staircase somewhere just to do a warm up, right? Because somebody was finishing in their practice room and I was about to go in, but the time was going. So I was like, hey, I only have an hour. I better start warming up now. And that's pretty common. If you guys have ever been a music student, then you know, <laughs> you know exactly what that's like. <laughs> and I'm getting lots of notifications. Well, <laughs> awesome. So I hope you're doing great this weekend. And just for those who are joining us for the first time, because it is our first podcast, but those who have never spoken to me about it before, we will be going live every Saturday right here on YouTube. And I plan to do that at 12 o'clock. Today is a different schedule just because I do have to go and do a performance, speaking of planning in advance. <laughs> but originally my idea is to go live at 12 o'clock noon, Toronto time, every Saturday so you don't miss anything and we all are on the same page so we all know that we're going live with a podcast on Saturday and I can't wait because I already booked so many amazing new guests on our show I'm actually booked for the rest of June can you guys imagine that I'm so happy thank you all I have fantastic artists and professionals in the field coming to see us, coming to speak with us. Some of them will come live in person. I have a huge surprise for the end of June for you guys. This is someone that you've been asking me to invite for a long time, <laughs> which has been both busy. So now it's happening. It's finally happening. So if you are listening for the first time, if you're hearing about the idea for the first time, stick around because we have a whole June packed for you with business intel and entertainment and I can't wait to bring it all to life. <laughs> so back to my story when I was in my second year of university. So I started practicing. I started doing that daily. Um, I did at least two hours I remember and if I didn't do my two hours I kind of felt like I haven't really completed my task today. So this is a habit that I took with me into my professional life as well. So when I started gigging I it pretty much happened around the same time. So I started gigging, kind of everything took up, right? So you, you develop one good habit, everything else follows. <laughs> My motto with this is to set up your mind for success and then everything else will follow, right? One good habit at a time. You're going to build, 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 and you're going to grow with that. So I don't have time to practice two hours a day now, but I still do half an hour here, half an hour there, between my students, before my work, before a gig, <laughs> I prefer not to do it after the gig because I usually get tired, but you have to look at it in a way that 
Is this just something you want to do briefly? Then go ahead. You can just let it slide. But if this is something that you have a long-term plan for, like if this is your career, this is your true passion, this is something you want to do for the rest of your life, right? There is no fast solution. You have to build skill. You have to build attitude. You have to build stamina. Imagine if you were a professional athlete, a sprinter, right? What do they do? I've actually talked to professional athletes. I have friends who are professional athletes. What do they do every day? You'll be surprised. What do you think? (laughs) Well, here's what one of them does. Um, He goes to the gym every single day for four hours at a time. He does warm-ups, he does stretches, he goes, does his elliptical exercises, he swims, he exercises, he then starts sprinting because these guys that I know are mostly sprinters. And all of that, just the warm-up, just the physical preparation for the actual performance takes at least four hours. <laughs> if you talk to someone else, they would say you need actually six hours. So you do that as your day, a daytime job. You do that every single day and then one day a week, you take a break, right? Because your body does need to recuperate, it needs to rest, it needs to get energy back, right? So same with professional dancers. Hey guys, I know so many professional dancers, I love them. I'm gonna have some of them on the show actually here. So I can't wait to give you a more specific insight into what it's like to be a dancer. What is it day and life of a dancer? So they do pretty much the same thing. They commit to a workout, to a healthy routine every single day, right? And then one day would be probably for just recharging and rest. And we all need that day, right? That's why we have weekends in a standard sense, or it could be just any other day if you're a musician. Obviously, weekends are your busiest work days. So what I'm leading to with this is that we need to learn to cultivate healthy habits. And yes, it's going to take discipline. Yes, it's going to be a huge commitment. Yes, it's going to be difficult first because you have to overcome that lazy little voice inside your head that says, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. (laughs) And sometimes that's okay when it's your day off, but when it is your normal routine, you have to basically set a healthy pace for yourself that is both productive, fun for you, and not exhausting where you can't just breathe or eat or even take a washroom break that happened to me that happened to me guys so i'm just saying that's a warning sign (laughs) you have to take a look at your schedule so thinking a bit long term is an idea that i actually got from gary v he's a fantastic business entrepreneur and i watch him almost every day not too much gary i followed your advice i don't watch too much i watch one two videos and i'm off to do my thing so (laughs) perfect right on so what he says he's all about um changing your perspective on things many people in their 20s feel like they failed because they don't know what they want to do or they don't do it well enough or there's all kinds of excuses right and he says you're not a failure you're just early in the process you just have to go explore you have to find what you want and think of it long term you can't just get something fast If life was fast, then anyone could just wake up a great artist and do it, right? But it's not true, is it, guys? Of course not. You don't, you're not born an artist. You become an artist. You cultivate your skill. You cultivate your, what we call talent. This one, not just one thing, but this thing that you can then exchange 
for financial gain because you are providing a service to people with your special skill. But that special skill needs to be cultivated daily. Do you guys agree with me so far? All right, I'm gonna give it a little second to sink in. <laughs> so I started doing that, I started practicing like crazy. I started gigging a lot too. So one thing led to another and eventually I was able to come up with a way to maximize my practice time. And you could say that I've actually made my childhood dream come true. <laughs> in the sense that now I can do in half an hour what I used to need maybe a couple hours to do, right? So now my warm-ups, my exercises are more efficient, more effective. Also, thanks to my amazing professors, I studied with Casey Sockle, a physician, contemporary musicianship. That class has changed my life. I studied with David Mott, I studied with Matt Brubick, and all these people and many, many more, my private instructors in violin, Peggy Hills, Ian Grant, all of these people, and cultivating my practice attitude, practice habits have contributed to the way that I sound today. And it's not that it magically happened, it happened step by step and gradually, right? <laughs> if you guys have any stories to share below as well, send me a comment, send me your story, I would love to read it. But I, will see, uh, I think that we will see that we all have very similar stories when it comes to achieving your skill. Mm -hmm. And now that we've achieved the skill, <laughs> How do we go about maintaining and improving our craft, right? Well, there are many, many ways to go about that. So now that we know talent is a myth, right? There is no talent. You have to work at it. <laughs> and what you can do to improve it, you got to learn. You got to network. You got to do your research. Um, having a teacher really helps, but that's not the only source of your improvement, right? So today... In, in the world, there are so many ways to read and watch and see. Um, here's an example I like to bring all the time in my classes with my students. So Bach, living in the 1600s, right? In 1500s even, what was it? Yeah, well, anyway, my numbers might be wrong right now. But Johann Sebastian Bach, living in Baroque time, used to walk for three days just to watch his favorite keyboard player, Buxtehude, perform his works. So... The man committed to walking from one city to another for three days just so he can watch his favorite artist and learn from him. You guys know Bach was very methodical. He was a real expert on what he was doing. So he wanted to learn from this guy. Today, you can just click on YouTube, Google the topic that you like, or just look it up anywhere, and you get access to exactly what you're looking for. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I know some, some schools and some parents are against technology, but this is the new way in 21st century to communicate and to learn. If we learn to leverage it, we're going to maximize our efforts. We're going to minimize our time that it takes. We are going to make new connections and networks. That's what I want to do with this podcast. That's why this podcast is so amazingly important and I have a huge passion for it for you know the rest of my life <laughs> because I want to connect with the people that have that same passion for improving our careers for building up our skill set right so healthy mindset and attitude and practice habits would be your first three but that is not enough right you also have to keep an open mind yes 
You guys agree with me? Because you could find something that you have never heard of and that could trigger a whole new process in your life. That could change the way you play. It could change the way that you hear music. It could change everything. And that's the attitude to keep into your healthy adult career is you have to be open to the opportunities that someone is going to come in and just totally destroy the system that you have built because and replace it with a better system, right? <laughs> I was just watching a video on that last night. I was watching Sad Guru, another one of my big obsessions right now. I love to watch him before bed. And then I don't sleep, of course, because I just get so many ideas from that. <laughs> but um, what he said was that you can't be destroying one system until you are ready to replace it with a new functional system. So I'm not saying that you have to doubt everything you do. No, absolutely not. But keeping an open mind and, you know, just staying inspired, <laughs> being open to opportunities that will change the way you do things forever is key. And of course, finding people, networking and watching other things outside of your immediate direction, (laughs) outside of your immediate niche, right? Now, the niche is something we're going to talk about in a separate podcast because this itself alone requires a lot (laughs) of discussion, right? So are we getting somewhere today? I hope that we're all on the same page. And if you guys have any questions, as always, you can just message me below. You can comment below. Even after the life is done, the live stream is done, go ahead, comment. Um, There might be something in there that I would love to discuss in the next week, right? Next week, we do have a guest already. Yay! So excited. Can't wait. All right. So how do we go about improving our craft, planning, scheduling and living daily lives, (laughs) planning for the long term? It's as opposed to short term. When you start thinking of the long term right away, a lot of tension goes away, right? A lot of this pressure that you have to succeed by your 20s or you have to buy a house by your 40s goes away, right? And I know it firsthand because I'm that kind of person who thought that I had to absolutely be a super genius and famous and successful by the time I was 20. I think we all had those dreams as kids, right? (laughs) But then when you grow up and you start professionally working and you realize that success is not just something that comes, it's something that you have to grow, something you have to develop and something you have to cultivate every day with your habits with your mind with your attitude with just staying the course right (laughs) and it's okay to get distracted it's okay to get discouraged once in a while we all do that right isn't that the part of being human beings (laughs) if everyone was born perfect what would be the point of living our lives there would be nowhere to go right Sorry, guys, my screen keeps fading out. I'm going to see if I can change the settings in this app and have some other way of you to see me. But I think this works well, right? All except the red button on the side. We're good. (laughs) If you do have any trouble hearing me or seeing me, please do let me know. I would like to constantly improve, right? So I want to get us to the quality where everyone's happy with the way that they're hearing me and seeing me. So go ahead. Leave your comment below. Tell me honestly what you're seeing and what you're hearing. And I would love to make the necessary improvements as far as it is in my power. So how do we go about obsessing and scheduling and over planning? I'm a big planner. 
and I'm sure that many of you guys are too, right? So if you're an artist, if you're in the creative industry, there's so many cool things you want to do. It's just crazy, right? So I wake up in the morning every day and I want to do 50 million things. And then I see and look at my time and things I've already scheduled and I go like, oh man, I can't do that. I have to stick with a plan. And maybe in the evening I can kind of experiment with that, right? So I'm sure we're all in the same boat on this because we tend to get so inspired by different things and it's hard to focus, right? But realizing that what you're building now is a long-term strategy as opposed to just boom, done, got it, right? That never happens. <laughs> Overnight success is a very rare thing. Maybe you make a video and it goes viral. Maybe, right? Maybe you got lucky. That's great. Um, but for most people and for most things, if it's worth doing for the rest of your life, it is going to take all of your life, right? So you got to think of this in the long term. So if your goal, say, is to release an album by next year, you got to start planning. You got to start jotting down some ideas. <laughs> and that's the funnest part. That's the easy part. The other parts that you really need to start paying attention is you have to start marketing it before the idea is even born, right? <laughs> you have to start networking so that you can learn things from other people who've been successful in a similar project. You have to look at other people's business right how they do it ask them take courses from them learn from them so for our iron fiddle saga that we are nearly complete recording right now i can happily share with you guys that song number 10 is almost ready <laughs> but that means that the next stage of my work begins so writing music itself recording music itself is the funnest part of it it's kind of like the candy that you wanted always right it's your soul food, <laughs> for the lack of a better word. So what you need to do also is have a long-term plan. So there are different stages to launching an album, to creating an album, to then post-production. <laughs> so what we're doing now, now that the music is nearly complete, we are creating backing tracks for concerts that we're planning to do in the next year. And it's going to take time only in the next year because... Well, I work a lot. I'm a single independent artist. Uh, I don't have a team of yet. Something that we're going to discuss in the future as well. When it is time to hire a team, what kind of team to hire and why you should do it. <laughs> you have to learn to delegate some of the tasks. My colleagues and Jacob, my producer, have been amazing. They've been helping me with just 80% of all the stuff. But that means that what falls on me is all the marketing, all the social media, all of the networking, all of the stuff that... I think that I should be focusing on aside from music as well. So I'm happy to do it. It's a lot of work, but it's absolutely worth it, guys. And it's all thanks to your support as well that we're doing this. Hearing from you, hearing how much you like your, my music, how much it inspired you, how much you would love to go to a concert makes a huge difference. And I would never be able to do this unless I have taken that step to put myself expose myself on social media right <laughs> never thought i had to but turns out it's a very useful tool <laughs> because i'm from an old school upbringing so i was taught in a way that you know i like to do things all myself i like to stick it to you know classical way of doing things but in the modern way modern day you have to be ready right you have to be ready for the change and if you're ready to receive that change and welcome the change you're gonna do just fine 
right? <laughs> Again, that's another Gary Vee. I keep bringing Gary Vee the whole time today, guys. Well, you know, he's really good. Have a listen to him. If you're struggling with motivating yourself, you have to listen to Gary Vee. He's a great at motivation, yeah. <laughs> so, now that we know that we have to plan long term, what do we do with that? Have a bigger picture, right? You have to go back to the very core and foundation of why you started doing what you're doing. Why did you choose music? What does it mean to you? For me, short story, <laughs> not short story, but I'll make it short. For me personally, music was a natural choice, right? Not many people can say that. I understand. I didn't grow up in a musical family, but um, my parents were open to the idea. And my mother actually went to listen to live concerts by um, local artists from all over Soviet Union, actually. And she went there every week to a church where they would perform Bach keyboard partitas. And I was, yeah, she was pregnant with me. So <laughs> I was still there. I was already there. So you could say I was exposed to the idea before I was even born. So that's quite amazing. That's not a story you, you will hear every day. And a lot of parents do that, actually. They listen to the music so that the child can hear it. So I'm a living example of that. It works, guys, right? <laughs> If you're a parent and you have an intention and you've sent it to the universe and you do the work, you, you listen to the music, you put the whatever CD on of the songs that you think your baby will like, it works, okay? <laughs> it does. So also when I was born already, when I was two or five or something, my parents noticed that I had a good ear for things. Like, not necessarily perfect pitch, that's something that we discovered later, but what we discovered first was that when my mom would read, you know, stories to me, she would read me poetry by Yesenin, Pushkin, famous Russian authors, and I would memorize them. I would memorize them from like the first read maybe, right? You know how children's consciousness is so open and clear that they just memorize things by ear, right? So that was me. <laughs> and. A lot of students that I work with, we actually work by memory. They don't want to read the music per se. They just don't want to look at this, the, the sheet. <laughs> but they do memorize it really well. So we find these strengths and we push these strengths so that they can learn through what's easiest achievable for them to learn the music, right? And I understand that because I was um, more of an oral learner as well myself. I learned to read music later when I started playing with other performers. And of course, that's a huge skill, crucial skill in life as well. But it's a skill and you can learn it, right? Again, talents are not born, talents are made. So we're going to get there. <laughs> you just have to look and see which skills you're lacking, which skills you still have to grow and go with that, right? <laughs> okay, so it does work. Exposing yourself to music early in life, even before you're born, it does work. So when I was two, my mother would read me these stories and I would memorize them. And then when we had guests over, I would just recite them. Poetry, right? By Pushkin. They were, they were long. They were like books, whole books of poetry, uh, Russian fairy tales in his style, right? So very famous works back home for where I come from. I'm from the Ukraine, Kiev. And my first, you could say my first language was Russian just because my mom's Russian. But then in school, I learned Ukrainian and we learned a lot of Ukrainian folklore and literature that I absolutely love. And then I would, of course, memorize those and we would have to perform poetry at school. I wrote poetry too. I wrote comedic poetry in Ukrainian. 
um, I was making fun of this conflict between old school and new school of doing things. Basically, you know, the everlasting conflict we have today as well. Technology, no technology, you know, commercials and all of that. <laughs> so I wrote poetry, I recited poetry, my friends at school quoted me, so I was <laughs> really happy. <laughs> and I feel that this is kind of what was a natural show of things that I had a musical ear and I kind of had a knack of picking things up from the sound world, right? So the world of sound is the first thing that speaks to me still, right? And through it, I perceive everything. I've done visual arts, I painted, and I had an exhibit back home when I was 16. So I've done painting, I've done dance, I've done martial arts, my very, very favorite thing. And I was so happy that I studied with David Mott at York when I did my master's, because he's also a martial arts expert, and he taught it at the time as well in a studio downtown. So I feel like my studies were so smooth and fantastic and it was just exactly what it was meant to be, right? I know not everyone feels that way, but I did. I have felt that all my life, that school was where I belonged, right? Then working in an area of my performance is exactly where I belong too. But once you grow up, um, new challenges arise, right? Is how to monetize your skill, how to build a business around it how to make sure that now you can actually provide for yourself. So once the one stage of your growth is finished, right? It's not finished, but it's more complete or less, right? So my first and biggest dream when I was a kid was to master my skill, was to become the great artist. I feel that I'm in a place now where I've kind of achieved a level of comfort with that so that my next adult dream can take over. And my adult dream is to build a business. My adult dream is to have a financial stability doing what I love, right? Instead of having to work on someone else's schedule, I want to work on my own schedule. And there's always that in my life. I'm kind of doing service for others, but I still love it. And while I'm still building my independent projects when I get home, even if it's late at night, right? So this brings us to the planning without burnout. What do you do, right? If you guys have any stories to share with us as well, write them in the comments. We'd be so happy to hear from you because I feel like you'll see there's more similarity between all of us than you think. When you're struggling with something alone, so like I struggled with the idea of building a business and I had no idea how to do it until about three years ago when I started doing research, when I started reading, I started taking online courses that never hurts too, and they're not that expensive, right? If you want to take a Facebook class to see how to set up your Facebook page, go for it. If you want to take a class to learn how to manage your Instagram account, go for it. This is never going to hurt. It's just going to enrich your skill set so you're able to share your craft better with people that want to read it, right? That want to see it, that want to hear your music. So that's very important in today's life, right? <laughs> And onward. So once you have opened yourself up to all of these opportunities and you're working on it and you're learning more things, right? What do you do next? So I was in a place not that long ago. Here's a little confession. After school was done, after I did my master's, after I've been gigging everywhere in TTC, uh, restaurants, parties, I did everything with various colleagues of mine that were way older than me and had far more experience in it. Uh, playing with my gypsy band as well so i'm really really happy i've done those things because they have been an amazing experience and contributed to my skill set 
But now it is time for me to find who I am, who I am as an artist. What is my niche? What is my brand? What do I stand for, right? So I struggled with that for many years. I've struggled with that for about three to five years after I was done school. And I honestly felt like I was depressed to a point where I just didn't see a future for my music anymore. I knew I could do all these things. I knew I had something to share, but I just couldn't see it, right? I just couldn't see the light. So I did take a couple years off <laughs> in a way that literally I disappeared from the grid. Um, I was writing my book, Makito Immortality, in the process of the soul searching. I basically lived during the nighttime and I slept during the day. <laughs> And if you guys are a writer or you've ever written something, you'll see that that's kind of a pattern. Like many people fall into that pattern because you feel like at night nobody bothers you and you don't bother anybody and you can just sit there and write, right? So, and during the day, I, was have to, I would have to sleep, of course, to rest. <laughs> but so that was probably a couple year period in my life. Six months it took me to write. The other six months it took me to do research and just read a lot of stuff and just, you know, explore and find things that were my truths so I could write them in my book and <laughs> by the way guys my book is on my website if you ever want to read it it's on virabermenko.com go ahead and go to the book section you can read it there's an e-version there's an actual print copy you can order and my publisher will send it to you so that's amazing <laughs> and I'd love to hear from you again some of you have read it already and given me feedback so the things that I talk about there were from that stage in my life where I didn't quite see the light. So I had to find a way to bring myself back into the light. So that was my way of dealing with it, of this kind of quarter life crisis, if you may. <laughs> and we all go through that and that's fine. It's not what happens to you. It's not the difficulty of these heavy emotions that you feel, but it's how you deal with them, right? So I was in that dark place. I was in a very dark place, but what I knew was that I had to make a choice. I had to either live, rise above everything, or I just had to disappear, <laughs> right? Um, and I'm not necessarily saying like, you know, I didn't have suicidal thoughts or I don't know, maybe but not really serious. So something was telling me though that I had to take the challenge. I had to get up and do something about it, right? So the point is that I chose to thrive. I chose the hard path, but the path that would take me to where I want to be because I've learned somewhere from the things that I've read that everything I want is on the other side of my fears. And that's a quote I keep hearing from everybody, everybody that I watch. Just last night I watched a video by Dean Graziosi and he said the same thing, that there was this hurricane and everything he wanted was on the other side. So he had to go through that, right? And it's something I've done with my life coach as well. I've seen an amazing therapist for a few years and we talked about this, how my life, my dream life is on the other side of the swamp of fears and problems, right? So we have to just cross. <laughs> it won't be an easy cross, but we got to cross, right? So I can fairly say that I think I'm very close to that other side. <laughs> well, you cross, cross one then and you feel like, okay, I don't feel sad anymore. I feel great. I feel like I do this. I'm doing all these things that I love. Now the next one comes up. <laughs> right the album's almost complete but now the next one comes up right so you will have a lot of these crossings in your life it's not just the one-time thing so <laughs> well it could be a big one right I crossed a big one I feel like I crossed a big big 
eye of the hurricane so yes <laughs> but there's always the next and the next and the next right small little kind of pits and puddles that we got across so there are they could be an obstacles, but only if you let them be, right? If you allow them to affect you that way. If you don't allow them to affect you in a long term, remember that what you do is for life, right? If you know that you're a musician, if you know that you got to record that music, you got to produce your music. My biggest passion is to release my original music into the world in a form of album or film score or anything, right? Uh, any unique, interesting performance. But for me, it doesn't end there. I have to also be actively involved in it. I have to also live in it, in movement and performance. And to me, there are just different stages of one and the same thing. When you're learning your craft, then you're performing your craft, when you're writing your original music, you're performing it too. It's fun, it's amazing. And then you're teaching from your expertise. So all of these things, some artists tell me they can't manage all five and I understand, that's fine. But I'm the kind of person that I have to do all five. Otherwise I feel like it's not complete enough for me. <laughs> so here we go. Now in the next podcast and maybe the next two podcasts, I would love to talk about these five streams of income that we really need to kind of learn to monetize, right? So there's so many options for you as an artist to build your career, to start making a living while you're working on a big project. So they could be teaching, they could be gigging, they could be providing advice to other artists like yourself that are a little bit in the early stages. Then they could be, <laughs> there's, there's a million things, right? You could perform for other people's events. You could organize your own events. There are millions, millions of ways to monetize your skill and your craft, the one that you are now actively improving, right? <laughs> so I feel like we have hit a few good points today. If you guys agree with me or don't agree with me, write below, write in the comments, tell me your stories. I promise it won't be just me every, every podcast. We're going to have amazing guests. We're going to have amazing interactions with them. We're going to have fun games too on the show. It's going to be really fun, right? So I've downloaded cool sounds too, like, like this one, right? So <laughs> that's my duck. Anyway, so what we're going to do next week is we're going to have an amazing guest that I can't wait to share with you. I won't say who it is until closer to the day and then I'll publish a little ad saying who it is. And I don't want to ruin all these appearances. I want it to be a bit of a surprise because some of our guests are really well established in Toronto, amazing artists, amazing entertainers. And I'm so happy that they've agreed to come here and share their time with me, with all of us guys. So we're on a great track. We're on a great track to success, to get our podcast to more like-minded artists like ourselves and I can't wait to tackle the next topic next week um it is going to be something to do with music helping you in your daily routine right which is actually naturally flowing from what we did today so we talked about scheduling your day without burnout we talked about how to think of your craft in the long term but now what do we do what are the specific practices and steps we take to get there, right? And I'm going to have an amazing guest who's going to share his personal experience. Whoops. <laughs> I'm giving things away. I said it was a he. So, <laughs> all right. Like, I guess that's going to be a quack for me. Yeah. Boo. No, no. Okay. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> anyway, so yes, I can't wait, guys. Can't wait to see you all next week. 
Can't wait to hear your feedback on today's podcast. I feel like I packed a lot into it. So let me know if this is going too fast for you. We'll slow down. We'll break it down a bit. It's going to slow down when we have guests because we're going to have like a natural flowing conversation. And I really can't wait because the people that I've booked for the rest of June are so fantastic. They have been my personal inspiration, people that I know in my daily life and the people that I've been kind of looking at for empowerment and encouragement as well so i really can't wait to share that with you let me know how you feel about today's podcast let me know if you have any interesting stories to share right reply my emails sign up with my mailing list and i really can't wait to see you all next week in our live don't forget to check back for every new upload here on virabermenka.com forward slash podcast and enjoy your day. That's all, folks. Have a great one, guys. If you like Iron Fiddle songs, download them at virabermenka.com forward slash music. See you next time. Bye.